0: Hey, this is Candia Raquel, founder of Centro de Poder. You are at the Sensual Sessions podcast, the place to explore sensing pleasure through your senses and overcoming inhibition so you can express yourself through movement in a sensual way. So, in order to learn more about that, we have a special guest today. This is Robert Boyd, a frequent invitee to the Essential Sessions podcast. So welcome Robert, mathematician, dancer, uh, drum player, Feldenkrais Method practitioner, and Virgo
1: Bing. (laughs) Thank you. So, So where shall we begin?
0: Tell us us about sensual memory exploration.
1: Okay, so uh, after our previous visits, it occurred to me uh, for several reasons to come up with some uh, provocative questions that anyone can use to reflect on experiences they've already had uh, as a basis for um, exploring things they might want to do in the future to experience pleasant sensual experiences Um, there's so many ways and uh, like i have this incredible memory of First time, I had a really beautifully made uh, gourmet taco that was perfectly spiced with cilantro.
0: Oh, delicious! It
1: made it made my mouth explode, and it was just such a special moment. It it was. Uh, I just couldn't stop wondering what was it that I was tasting. I'd had small doses of cilantro before, but never anything that just made my whole sensory apparatus light up. It was like, oh, give me more, more, more. And um, so uh, one of the things I've been exposed to uh, through the Feldenkrais community, there's a woman uh, named Diane. Whitney, who is also a Feldenkrais practitioner and also an expert in a field called appreciative inquiry. uh, They use, people use appreciative inquiry for a lot of things. They use it for organizational development as well as personal development. And one of the key questions that people are often asked to sit with is, so... In your present circumstance, what are things that are working well or have worked well in the past that you would like more of? And so I started thinking of that in terms of sensual experiences at a very personal level. And so the, the more I thought about it, I think a lot of people would immediately go to sexually sensual But there's so many fantastic experiences we can have. People talk about mountaintop experiences or something that happened at a retreat where they just felt overwhelmed with joy uh, at some enlightenment that they experienced. um, A special moment connecting with someone. Uh, It could be uh, a parent with a child. It could be Uh, I don't know I um, I recently was reminded of the experience of sitting with someone who's dying there's just something about that experience it's difficult it's challenging and there's something special about it that we don't get in other settings Um, so uh, I think Well, another aspect of exploring these questions is uh, to begin thinking and approaching these questions with the thought of how I might choose to use what I learn from reflecting on these for choices I make in the future about things that I want and things that I don't want.
0: Yes, I want to say something before we dive deeper because this uh, background, I believe that it's so important because we are so marketed and sold on over the top mountain experiences (laughs) and like 10 orgasms in a row and the unique holidays or the sacred moment of uh huh. Yeah. The hand of someone that you loved so much that gone mm-hmm. to heaven. Yeah. Because those are, yes, highlights in life, maybe moments that you yes. will never remember, but that's maybe the 1% of life. Yeah. I believe that sensuality is about treasuring. The 100% of life, not only the flabbergasting moments, but the everyday little tiny experiences as Mm -hmm. a cilantro. Well, that that was a highlight experience the cilantro (laughs) taco overdose. But I feel those like even milestone experiences. Have the function of reminding us mm-hmm. being alive here now, yeah, and not
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. and not
0: expecting to live on that level of intensity every day. And I feel that's why it's so important to do this appreciative inquiry of knowing. Mm-hmm knowing really what you didn't like so to to not stay there and to recognize what you do like at a sensitive sensorial blissful pleasure way so you can evoke more of that in in our lives and yes indeed people oft, often equate sensuality to sexuality but it's it it goes and i feel it should go hand in hand but sensuality has the condition of pleasure for me sensuality means here in centro de poder sensing pleasure through your senses well sexuality is a very clear neurochemical and physiological frame that especially for women do not always in a devastating over 50% of the cases equate to pleasure. So Mm -hmm. pleasure is a condition for sensuality, but sadly it's pleasure. It's not a condition for sexuality. You can have sex without pleasure as a woman. As a man, if you have, if the guy comes and ejaculates, he's gonna have an orgasm, yes or yes. So it's very gender <laughs> bias. And I believe that this uh, idea that that pleasure is found exclusively on sex has to do with, with this patriarchal view because also women can undo, enjoy sex, even, without reaching the orgasm like the orgasm isn't and shouldn't be the goal but like because it not it doesn't always happen uh, being born as a woman so this that you are about to talk about is is relevant in so many ways because i feel that pleasure is is at the core of of the experience of being alive, meaning that it's the first indicator of health. If you're feeling pain, it means that you have to get out of there. It's on on the category of the things that you don't want more of. So it's important (laughs) to learn. But culturally, we've been shamed in regards to pleasure. While well, pleasure is the greatest physiological, bodily indicator of health. Like if you're delighting in your taco, that means it's full of nutrients. It's going to, that, that blissful taco, it's going to make you faster, stronger, and better and more fit to survive. <laughs> so, so it's a very biological evolutionary thing. Okay, having
1: said that, <laughs> please continue. <laughs> oh, you're reminding me uh, some things I've learned from uh, a little bit of exposure I've had with uh, the tantric approach to being present. And, and that's another area where most people associate tantric practices with sexual, but there's so much in that uh, approach to experiencing life that's not about sex at all it's uh, quite possible to have an incredible experience just by being present in a particular way that's focused on being with our senses and uh, noticing small things I had this wonderful experience this morning. I was outside uh, looking at the plants in my garden and I saw a tiny green lizard. Yeah. And it ran across the ground and then it ran up into a shrub and it looked at me <gasps> and, and I had this moment of, oh, hi there, <laughs> and it, it was just fantastic. And so, you know, it,
0: uh, fantastic.
1: I would love I would love to have more experiences like that.
0: Yeah, and, the and, it's, and it's not but, like you buy a ticket to get one of those experiences that is very yeah. far away where people get supposedly enlightened. Because also that pleasure don't operate very well on their fixed frames. Pleasure mm-hmm. needs like a certain freedom to emerge, and curiosity. So you were already in this state of awareness, and then the lizard looked at you, and you were there to mm-hmm. look back at the lizard. Yeah. Whereas if you weren't that aware, like you would have missed that gift, that tiny gift of life. And I feel feel that sensu- the. The practice of becoming aware of essential pleasure is exactly about these about the the pleasures in our daily mundane living and the tiny pleasures and the tiny mm-hmm. tiny yeah tiny experiences
1: yeah if you like coffee the the first sip of coffee when it hits your tongue and the aroma goes you know, and uh, or chocolate same kind of thing just uh, a- appreciating the response of our system to the stimulation it might be very small but uh, being it can be so different if we just uh, take a uh, gulp of coffee than to sip it and to savor it.
2: Yes.
1: Or the chocolate. If we just are hungry for sugar and eat the chocolate in a hurry, there's no savoring of the... I mean, there's a kind of pleasure in it, but it's it's hurried. And to take the time to experience it, just like people... Experience wine or uh, other uh, aromatic experiences that are um, worth spending a little bit of time with instead of hurrying.
0: Taking the time because sensitivity, yeah. according to the Weber Fechner law, <laughs> requires. Dimming the intensity and expanding the length mm-hmm. of the stimuli. Yeah.
1: Yes, there are. <laughs> There's some peak experiences that involve fast, intense stimulation, but. Like you said, we we can't really be doing that constantly. Uh, not only because it's difficult, but it's also exhausting to be in that highly stimulated state all the time. Um, so, are there any uh, of my questions that you want to particularly yes. talk about or focus on?
0: Yes tell us, Tell us your questions of appreciative inquiry.
1: Okay, so um, keeping in in mind the kinds of things we've both been mentioning, uh, whenever doing considering the questions that I've posed. Uh, It's important to think in terms of memory of any sensory experience sights, smells, sounds, touch, taste, sexual, uh, or even um, like feeling a presence of something that might be hard to put a finger on, but uh, anything that makes up the sensory whole of the experience. So the the other thing I wanted to say is that these questions are intended not to focus on creating peak experiences, but to find out uh, to build a personal catalog of things that make experiences pleasurable for yourself. So um, what is it that I like that makes me feel good? And then when I know these things, then I can, it's, uh, one way of thinking about it is that uh, from our experiences, we collect data And as we collect the data and think about all the data we have, then we begin to develop what I would describe as information from it. And then when we make a decision to do things based on what we've uh, concluded from the information, then we transition into developing wisdom because we're making choices based on data rather than outside influences I mean outside influences can be helpful but nobody outside of one of us can tell us what we should or shouldn't be enjoying because they're not living in our body bu- <laughs> we each have our own uh, flavors of life that mean something to us yes But to me, it's important to develop our own sense of choosing the things that uh, produce value. So, uh, how about if I just go through the first paragraph? So, uh, again, thinking in terms of any of our senses, think of a most thrilling sensual experience you've ever had, a moment that just stands out uh, in brilliant colors, uh, incredible aroma, uh, a sense of touch of something, uh, music, something auditory, uh, or a place that just had a certain magical. Goal to it. Or being with a particular person, something about just being in their presence, uh, created this, some sort of special feeling. And then. What I would invite to do with that memory is to recall details of that experience and re- recall them in vivid detail and then ask, what made that experience so thrilling? Um, and was there anything before that moment that actually heightened the experience that you can think of? So it's, it's thinking of the, the before, during, and following, and what is it about that experience that uh, suppose you could never have that experience again, but what about, what quality of that experience would you like to have more of in some way? So, um, and the more I thought about this question myself, there are so many wonderful experiences I've had where I can think about them uh, and realize that over time I've gradually been making choices more and more for the things that feed me and less of the things that uh, take something away. So um, for me, realizing that something important for me is making connections with people, and uh, realizing that a lot of my life I didn't really realize how important that was for me, and that it's something that I continue to practice uh, being more aware of continue so that I choose more of that instead of less. Choose more
0: instead of less.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's uh,
1: I think it's It would be wonderful if life could be so simple that we could always be choosing the things that are wonderful Uh, and i suppose some people succeed more at that than others but life is extremely variable things happen we get hurt Uh, people we know get hurt Uh, we have losses of various kinds
2: yes but Uh, that,
1: but
0: that is in the category of the things we cannot choose because
1: accidents. exactly so,
0: but the the there is a trap to believe that we have no choice, and we do have. Of course, yeah. there are exceptions the so... and the instances; those are accidents. But the rest of life has to do with with choosing, and the base for choosing is responsibility. Because if an accident happens, or you lose, or whatever. It's something that happened to you you are not the author you you don't have responsibility and even there are gifts that also uh, you won the lottery yes you bought the ticket but like it's one in a million but most of 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 the of our lifetime is made of the little moments and the little experiences that we yeah. have an active participation in them by, by choosing more of those.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I think the point I was trying to make is pretty close to what you just said, uh, just that um, regardless of what's happening that we have no choice about, we can be mindful of the things that bring us sensual pleasure uh, and joy and be finding ways to take responsibility for bringing that into our life Uh, and I guess uh, guiding our journey to, uh, to choose the things that make us happy instead of being completely driven by circumstance.
2: Yes,
0: instead <laughs> of being completely driven by by circumstances. Yeah, yeah that's why, in a way, sensual pleasure is for adults. I mean, when it's delivered, when it's not just like a play for, play for exploration, like when you are rolling in the mud or in, in sandbox <laughs> when you're little, that is a highly sensual experience. I mean, for me, that's the ideal mm-hmm. thing. But we grow up. And the thing is to really grow up, to really be responsible of your desire and mm-hmm. um, creating the... The things that support that desire to become the experience that satisfies this desire through pleasure. Yes, Correct. yes, Robert. Tell us more about your your sensual inquiry questions.
1: Okay, okay, so um
0: I, just a quick note for the audience. I all of this is on on the description of this episode. If you're on okay on Spotify, you can click and read Robert' questions or YouTube. It's the same.
1: Ah, great. Okay, so um, sensation. Uh, one of the next paragraphs that I, the questions that I put together uh, is to think about one or two most thrilling sensual experiences that you've ever had and meditate uh, for a moment on them.
0: What, what was your most thrilling sensual experience? Of course,
1: hmm. uh,
0: you, you can... Keep it to yourself if if it's private.
1: <laughs> I have one that I'm with here. Uh, I, I there's many that I have. That I can draw from. One that was just extremely thrilling was uh, one time a few years ago with a group of men who went on a rope course and. Uh, I partnered with someone in the group. Uh, Well, we all had to form partners and uh, the man I partnered with, we both chose to do the ropes course blindfolded. So with assistance, we climbed up to 80 feet in the air in the trees on the course and we went through the course completely while being blindfolded. And then at the end of the course Well, that was pretty thrilling. And then the end of the course, uh, the way you come back down is unless you don't like it, you go down a zip line from 80, 90 feet up in the air. And uh, the people running the course invited us, if we felt okay doing it, to go down the zip line blindfold. And I had previously seen someone do it, hanging upside down on the zipline, and blindfolded. And I decided to do it.
0: Oh, you decided to do it.
1: Yeah. So I flew down on the zipline blindfolded, and it was incredible. It was incredible. I was just. It was overwhelmingly fun. It, uh, it was just scary enough to create a lot of feeling of excitement. But the feeling of flying through the air, but knowing that I was safe, uh, created a, a, a very thrilling internal experience. The, the wind from the air as I flew down uh, Hearing people's voices, people cheering, uh, and then that moment of coming to a stop and just sort of being in the adrenaline rush of the whole thing. uh, That's a very potent memory in my mind. I have. I could probably list off easily 10 or 20 experiences I've had in my life that all have some unique, uh, thrilling flavor. There's also a number of experiences I could talk about that were, instead of thrilling, were what I would describe as deeply satisfying. That's more what the second paragraph is about.
2: Yes,
0: Uh, yes. Tell us about that second paragraph.
1: Yeah, so... um, I suppose maybe not everyone, but uh, most most people have had at least some experience of something that just felt really deeply satisfying. Uh, it might be music, it might be some kind of uh, a place that just feels special, it could be something with touch, like a really great massage, or uh, I just recently tried a flotation spa uh, that was I don't know if it would, I would describe it as a peak satisfying experience, but I definitely want more of it. <laughs> um, uh, sitting, sitting in a boat or a canoe on the water, just feeling the movement of the waves and just taking in the experience, of the potency of the water and the life in the water and the air around, it. um, you know it i, I feel sen- so many i, I mean
0: I, I feel sensuality has this quality of being an experience that somehow emerges in a safe but non-linear context mm-hmm. like
2: yeah like
0: yeah being floating you're safe but like it's not that it's step one step two step three step four whatever mm-hmm. and yeah you're on the canoe floating and yes there there's a rhythm to the waves and the wind and the everythingness of the moment
2: mm-hmm.
0: but it's non yes. conceptual so sensuality is is an experience of being both unbound and undone it's not (laughs) closed but it's an open unfolding experience pleasure so tell us more questions
1: okay so in terms of having a My question would be, uh, how would you describe, you know, as you meditate on it, how would you describe what it was that you felt from it? And then uh, also, what would you say contributed the most to making it such a satisfying experience? Um, And was there something about it that lasted well beyond the moment experience? was there, Did you find something that resonated for some period of time? Um, and what qualities from that experience would you want to experience again, somewhere sometime? And like you said, it might come unexpected.
0: Um, Yes, and and I like this reflection on on what was the the elements that you can recall from from the experience. Not to duplicate it, but to learn how to be better at cultivating sensuality.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So it's not that you're going to make the waves.
1: Some people love to go Ooh. for walks in.
0: Yeah. So it's not that you're going to make the sea flow on your rhythm. It's about becoming a better saver yeah. of your own.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I recently had some a friend tell me uh, how much they love being out in nature and like going for a walk in the woods and just seeing what they experience there Uh, sometimes it might just be a walk in the woods but other times something happens and uh, they might experience certain animals being around birdsong or squirrels or other creatures that they might see or hear Um, Some people have told me about just really loving, like taking a picnic to a sunny meadow and sitting in the grass and having the sun on them and enjoying the food and the sun and the rustling of the breeze. And it might not always be magical, but putting themselves in a situation that they know can have uh, that kind of sensually feeding quality to it, they have a better chance of having moments like that. If someone knows that those experiences can feel that good, but they never put themselves in that experience, all they have is memory.
0: Yeah. So why not putting yourself back into those experiences, like you know, like yeah. naked, naked? Eh? That that was my subconscious betraying me. So I was gonna say that. Do <laughs> you like to, to be in nature? And I said you like to be naked. Well, whatever. If you like to be naked in nature, just make sure yeah. it is your yard. <laughs> <laughs> But that don't keep yourself from from that. It's part of of the responsibility of an adult.
1: Yes. Yes, it's quite different shifting from childhood into adulthood and taking responsibility.
0: For pleasure. And
1: accepting Except. the responsibility. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because the responsibility we take for our bills and and loans and ills and stuff, like <laughs> maybe it's not even you taking responsibility. It's like culture and society making you under the threat of social shaming. <laughs> but pleasure, like we have the same cultural <laughs> pressure against pleasure if it's not through a financial transaction. Like if you didn't pay for the chocolate, then you don't like, we don't even talk about pleasure. <laughs> you don't go on vacation, like, and no, like you don't have to pay for pleasure. Pleasure, it's not a product, it's your birthright. Yeah. And the thing is like, how? what are you gonna do about it? What you can do yeah. is, is is answer these questions that Rob is sharing with us. So we're ready to, to paragraph three, for paragraph
1: three? Okay, sure. So uh, another aspect of central pleasure is, uh, and I'm gonna use a little bit of a, uh, I guess what I would describe as a hot word, arousal. There's- well-
0: that is a hard w- word, and I, I I want to make a little disclaimer. Okay. That uh, arousal by itself, physiologically, re- mm. refers to a change in in the brain chemistry, in in the heartbeat, breathing range, and the hormonal stuff. So arousal has to do uh, strictly with sexuality. And I feel it's very important that you become aware of what creates the state of arousal in in you that makes you be ready to go for sex. (laughs) And, And, and be mindful to pair arousal with the emerging of sensuality that it's just a, a word that I have just invented to, to make an equivalent for sensuality because how how I talk about sensuality is in a non-arousal way like, like breastfeeding can be a sensual experience for the baby that is sucking the nipple of the mother and for the mother to feed the baby and a lot of friends have told me that it's a very pleasurable experience to feed the baby and it's Mm -hmm. part of these survival mechanisms of of being pleasure driven Mm -hmm. which is very different than being an adult and i don't know kissing the breasts of of your beloved or the nipples of whatever is <laughs> and the difference is arousal or 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 non-arousal and i feel it has to go together mm, the the sensual pleasure and sexual pleasure so i don't know if you were talking uh, gonna talk about sexuality but i want to to make like this so tariff, i want tariff, to tariff. yeah
1: so uh that's all very good and uh, That's appropriate, and there's another aspect to sensuality that, uh, if you've ever been, uh, like at a musical performance or a dance performance, where there was something that happened that got exciting, it didn't have to be sexual, uh, but there's a process of building that excitement. If you think about something like the 1812 Overture or uh, certain rock music or uh, a a thrilling dance where it starts quietly, but then something magical where just incredible fates are performed by the dancers.
0: Yeah, you get turned on. Or
1: just a special moment where like two dancers have been dancing and then they come together.
0: Yes, or or the lizard like, hey there, that moment. Yeah. That makes you feel, you get a felt sense of yourself immersed in that situation.
1: Yeah, so... um or uh, with food, uh, there might be something in the process of preparing food that creates a certain kind of arousal because as the spices begin to cook and the aromas of the vegetables or the meat uh, or sauces begin to emerge, uh, there might, there's typically some sort of arousal sense of anticipation of enjoying the taste of the food when it's fully prepared Um, setting the table for a fancy dinner Uh, the process of setting the table and seeing it ready uh, creates a sense of some sort of expectation and heightened awareness and that's what i'm talking about about a When there's something going on that's focusing attention towards some sensual experience. Yes. And then, uh, so my question regarding that is uh, if you have your choice about ways that you like to be sensually aroused. What are those what are those ways that you like to be aroused? Some people are very uh, I have friends who are very um, easily disturbed by sounds. So going to an auditorium and experiencing a nice concert is not particularly fun for them. Okay. but for me, it's great. It's great. I love it. Yeah. So there's something about being in the crowd and seeing the performers setting up on stage and uh, uh, people doing the lighting. All of that is a kind of arousal. Whereas my friends that uh, can easily be sensorially overloaded. To them, that's not pleasurable. It's it's disturbing. Yeah. So for each of us, we have a, a we can have a sense of ways that we enjoy potentially. Yes, because you are pointing out
0: to something fundamental that is singularity. The ple- pleasure is singular. What you like it's going to be different than what the neighbor likes. And even if you are all together in yeah. because you you get turned on in that experience and et cetera. The way that yeah. one uh, processes the experience, it's going to be unique ple- pleasure. Yeah. A pleasure it's singular. Yeah. The, and the experience, the expression of that pleasure, that sensual way of moving, it's just as singular to you as your fingerprint. And that's mm-hmm. why it doesn't work to get, like, try to get turned on by mm-hmm. what turns on the other people. Like, yeah, go ahead and try everything, but do wonder what is that you like, what turns you on, and then exactly. do more of that.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah, um, <laughs> I just had a thought come about where different people are aroused differently. Uh, I've heard people tell stories about like their dad being really big with uh, going to the lake and going having a boat and water skiing And so they get all excited to get the family together to go to the lake and do all the lake things. But one of the kids just really doesn't like that. So while the dad is getting all aroused emotionally about an exciting day at the lake, the child is going, oh, no, again, I hate going to the lake. I don't want to do this. You're making me go blah, blah, blah. And so um yeah. I think it's also important yeah
0: to never bargain on pleasure. That's something where <laughs> no prisoners should be taken. Like in a way, pleasure, I feel sensual pleasure is my way or the highway because you cannot <laughs> fake it. it. It's it's not a task to mark as completed. Yeah. It's something yeah. that really has to do with what happens to you. Yeah. The same as love, you cannot fake that. You can you cannot force yourself <laughs> to love someone that you don't love. And in the same way that you cannot force yourself to not love whom you love. There are ways to put up with that and continue living somehow but it's not that you can make it happen so never bargain for pleasure never try to comply to the desire of others though you can very well let yourself be taken as a pleasure object of the desire (laughs) of of the other (laughs) for their pleasure that i feel it's important in in relations relationships and in the same way that it's important that you allow yourself to to let your desire be invented in the other i i am referring to this in in the context of lacanian psychoanalysis and i i personally mm-hmm. feel this pretty much real and descriptive of what goes on but yeah, basically, like if your dad or your beloved wants to take you to the lake and you don't want to go, like maybe you can go, but go being aware that you are doing that to support the pleasure of the other person, not to bypass your own pleasure. Like, okay, I I am go I I'm not, yes. it, but I am doing this. For you as a gift, for you as an offering, and uh, I need yes, exactly. my pleasure this way, and hopefully we can both meet and go to uh, to a place that is a meeting point of mutual desire, sensual pleasure, and satisfaction.
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Another um,
0: paragraph four.
1: Another th- well, um, okay. One more question about arousal. Uh, I would invite everyone to think about uh, experiences where something became arousing where you didn't exactly expect it. Some situation where you went into it, it seemed interesting, and you thought it might be pleasurable. But then something happened that you really didn't anticipate that made it even more arousing than you expected. Um, one of my favorite experiences like that was the first time that I went to see uh, two master musicians from India play, where the show was divided into three parts. One master played his instrument, and then the second master played his instrument for a while. And then they started giving each other sequences to play back and forth. So it was like, I'm going to play this, and you play it back, and you play something for me, and I'll play it back. And this is a traditional thing between Indian music masters. It could be on any instrument. Um And so the first time that I saw this, it was a tabla player, a master tabla player from the north of India and a murtingham drum player from South India. And they did this. They played each of their parts of the show and it was wonderful. And then they started doing the back and forth. And I had no idea this was coming. But there was this moment where they were playing faster and faster back and forth. And then my brain almost melted when I realized that they had gotten to the place where they were both playing together. Improvising. Wow. And it was just, it wow. was. magical. magical. Um, and yeah, it was very magical because I didn't know this was a thing. So I stepped out of my cultural experiences into theirs. Yeah, but
0: still, like, even if you knew it was a thing, that's, like, fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah. So since then, I've gotten to experience uh, musicians from India doing that maybe two or three more times. And it's not quite as mind-blowing as that first time, but it's extremely pleasurable for me yes
0: extremely pleasurable yeah it doesn't have to be mind-blowing in order for it to be extremely pleasurable
1: yeah but that's in my repertoire of something that i know that arouses me that i will if i have an opportunity to experience it again i'll go do it
0: yeah very important make a pleasure repertoire
1: yeah So the last paragraph that I put together is uh, a question of fantasy. And uh, many of us through reading or hearing stories from other people uh, or in our just own making up things the question is, are there any situations or places uh, that you've come to enjoy fantasizing about that have a strong sensual content of some sort? And like I said, it could be any sense. It could be smells, taste, sounds, uh, touch. And I include this touch, you know, like if you're in the water or you feel a breeze that's all kind of touch sensation um, fantasy yeah yeah so is there something that has a strong central content in fantasy for you that might be beyond something that you've ever felt safe or uh, able to experience uh either alone or with other people. Um, it's funny, you mentioned naked earlier. I've heard people hey, joke about. Yeah, I've heard people joke about wanting to go to a colony or a nude beach, but they don't really feel safe doing it, but they fantasize about it. Um So the question that I came up with is uh, what is it about that place or situation makes the fantasy uh, sensually stimulating? And uh, to take it one step further, how would it make you feel to describe the fantasy to someone that you trusted to listen Uh, to your fantasy and the sensations you get from it if you knew that that person would not pressure you into trying to do something about it or criticize you or anything just uh, be present with you to uh, witness uh, what that means for you And I think um, that kind of, it's not really time to go into this more in great depth right now, but the whole concept of sensual pleasure being witnessed or in the presence of others as opposed to alone. Yes,
0: yes, yes, that's another layer.
1: Um, There's, to me, there's something often more meaningful when it's a shared experience. It is. It might not be the same experience for everyone, but...
0: It it might not be the same experience, because when you're sharing it with others, it's a shared experience. But it emerged from what's going on in you as a source. Or how you are welcoming the atmosphere, the other, whatever that elicits yes. a response. And okay. so mm-hmm. it's permeated by how you engage. But yeah, that's like the next level, yes. shared mm-hmm. spirituality. Fantastic! Fantastic, inquisitive sensual inquiry to get more of what makes you delight and pleasure yes yes thank you so much robert Yeah, I feel this so is
1: I this appreciate the opportunity to share that with you.
0: Yeah, I such a pleasure and an honor. This is a very practical guide to to inquire what sensual pleasure means to to every one of us. In a safe way and, mm-hmm. and an invitation to take responsibility on one's desire for pleasure as an adult
2: mm-hmm.
0: in such a way that enriches life. So tell yes. us how, how can we know more about your work and what you're
2: doing.
1: <laughs> well, um, to, to some extent, you can find out more about it through my website, uh, uh which tells some of how I got involved with and what's special to me about that work. Uh, I see people individually and uh, also sometimes teach remote. And um, I would say, you know, sort of as a overall, I also uh, enjoy uh, engaging sometimes with something called interplay, which uh, is a particular way of experiencing uh, creative activities, uh, through movement, music storytelling either alone or in a group Um, there are a lot of interplay communities in different places nowadays i got introduced to it many years ago and i'm still connected with uh, a number of people who do that and enjoy involving in that that's Uh, something, and I invite people to check out if it's something available in a community near you. Interplay Uh, communities. I think, yeah. If you go to, I believe the main Interplay website is interplay.org, and uh, from there you can find where there are communities around the world. Uh, Maybe in some surprising places where you might not expect. (laughs) Uh, Let's say there's a high degree of uh, what people experience with interplay that is about sensual experience and pleasure, uh, creating alone or creating in community, experiencing Other people's creativity, Uh, the sensuality of play together uh, in a safe setting. That's been an important thing for me. I think um, if anyone uh, chooses to engage with me through the Feldenkrais work, uh, one of the things that's really important to me is uh, to be present with them, listen carefully to them and help them uh, help them possible the th- things that they're wanting more of uh, that they may be finding themselves blocked from due to various circumstances um, and you know ultimately to help them find more joy in their life by freeing their movement and possibilities
0: find more joy in life by connecting with Robert Boyd at trianglefeldenkrais.com thank you so much Robert and thank you
2: you're thank you,
0: for being here And if you haven't subscribed already, please go to www.centrodepoder.com and get yourself signed up to get the Sensual Sessions podcast episodes delivered on your inbox weekly. And until next time, remember to sense your fire so you can share the flame.